How exciting to be on our campus this week as we looked at all the construction that's taken place. The staff and some of the leadership team and I were there, and we can't wait until later this year when we can all go over and it's going to be ready to move in. And so thank you so much for your patience. Thank you for your faithfulness. There truly is the light at the end of the tunnel, and there's a lot to celebrate today. Uh, during the message now that we're going to kind of shift gears into, we're going to go back to the parables of Jesus these small stories with a big impact. And we're going to look at a couple of parables today that really explain why we rebuilt our campus, why we relaunched our church, why we changed the name of the church, why we changed our leadership structure, all the, the things that we've done over the past seven years. We're going to talk about why we did that. And it's going to be exciting, so I'm glad you're here to be a part of the discussion. A few years ago, when my family went to the beach for vacation, we had stopped into a store. The boys were much younger then, and we were going to get some groceries. Uh, they had, you know, pool toys, all that kind of stuff. There's, you know, beach clothes you could buy on the racks, all that good stuff. And so the boys decided that it would be a great, fun adventure for them to hide in some of the clothes racks from Laura and me. And when I looked up and didn't see the boys anywhere, my heart leapt out of my chest. I was scared to death, thought I'd lost the boys. And then, thankfully, I heard them giggling uh, from some clothes nearby and got them out, was grateful that they were okay. But then the anger set in, and I really, you know, kind of lit into them. You know, don't do that again. You scared me to death. You know, I don't want you to be kidnapped. All the whole deal like that. And I think I put the fear of God into them. Uh, but the ultimate emotion was just that relief and joy of having found them when I thought, you know, for that split second that they were gone. Now, you don't have to lose your children to understand how frustrating or scary it can be to lose something that's important to you how maddening it can be to tear up your house or your car looking for whatever it is that you've misplaced, and then the joy that you have when you actually find it, and just that relief that, oh, okay, and get back to life as normal. And so today we're actually going to be talking about something that Jesus lost. And we might be wondering, well, how can the Son of God lose anything? That, that would be interesting to find out. So if that interests you, then hang on, because we're going to read about uh, what Jesus lost and what he did to go back to find it. And so thanks so much for spending time with us as we dive back into the parables of Jesus. And now, of course, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So today we're going to be in Luke's gospel. Uh, gospel means the good news of Jesus. And Luke was a first century Christian that wrote the story of Jesus. He also wrote the book of Acts in the New Testament. It's the story of how the church is, is birthed and, and takes off. And so today we're reading from Luke's gospel, and so we're going to begin with uh, chapter 15, verse 3. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. So Jesus tells a couple of stories here about people, two people, who lose something. A shepherd who lost one of his 100 sheep and a woman who lost one of her 10 coins. Now, Jesus' audience, as he's speaking to, to his audience, probably would have recognized uh, the shepherd kind of image of lots of shepherds in Jesus' day in Israel 
People probably have lost coins before. And so probably speaking very clearly to his first century audience. And speaking to us too, we've, we've lost things that are important to us. Now, from the outside, we're grateful that the shepherd found his one lost sheep. We're grateful that the wind found her one lost coin, which by the way was worth about one day's worth of pay uh, when, you, when you work. So your wages for one day. So she lost about a, a one day's wage. Uh, the shepherd had a flock of about 100. That was kind of a modest uh, uh, flock to have in that day. And so maybe the one sheep was, was pretty important to lose that. But when, when we look at it from outside perspective, especially from a 21st century perspective, we think, well, you know, we're glad they found the sheep. We're glad they found the coin. But why would you, you know, get so excited that you go and find all your friends? Hey, I found the one sheep and hey, I found the one coin. They might say, well, big deal. You got 99 sheep and you've got nine coins sitting here. You got nine days worth of expenses. And so you know, we're glad for you. But that, that seems like a modest loss. Why are you so excited? What's the big deal? It seems like quite an overreaction. Why would you risk leaving 99 sheep to go after just one? And yeah, you found one coin, big deal. Why are you calling me, waking me up to come and, and celebrate that you found one coin? What's going on here? Well, we've read the earthly part. Let's read the heavenly part of the story. And I think we're going to find out what Jesus is talking about. First, we begin with his response to the sheep. This is what Jesus says. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. In the same way, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. That was in reply to the found coin. So what Jesus is really talking about is that people who he created, men and women, in his image, to be in relationship with him, to live life to the full now, to live forever in the kingdom of God, people stray from Jesus. People stray from God. And so what Jesus is talking about is people who are far from him. And this upsets him. And it's not a modest loss. If we have 99 believers and one unbeliever, Jesus is glad for the 99 believers. That's awesome. But he's going to do everything that he can to go after the one person who is not a believer, who's not in a relationship. Got the nine found coins, the nine Christians. That's awesome. We celebrate. But we got to find the one lost person who's out there, the one who's far from God, the one who's not in a relationship with Jesus. And when Jesus finds someone like that and they respond and they give their lives to Christ, then there is great rejoicing in heaven. Right? It's the biggest party ever. And, and, and we who are in the 99 or we who are in the nine, we should celebrate too because at one point we were the one. We were the ones who were far from God. We were the ones who were experiencing hell on earth, right? Because separation from God is hell. And you don't have to die to go to hell. You can have hell on earth, right? We were the ones who were not living life to the full. We might be having an interesting and exciting life, but without Jesus, there is no life to the full. So for Jesus, there's this sense of urgency for those who are far from Jesus. And he goes after them, and he spends time, and he spends energy, and he expects us to spend time and energy going after people who are not in a relationship with Christ. And I think that's exactly what this parable is saying to us, and that, that Jesus calls us to go out and to help people connect to him, to surrender their lives to Christ, to live life to the full, to live life forever in the kingdom of heaven, to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Now, what I think is really cool is how Jesus starts off by saying, suppose one of you had lost a sheep. And I, I think today Jesus would say, suppose one of you has a, a, a child or a grandchild or a 
brother or a sister or a mother or a father or an aunt or an uncle or a niece or a nephew or a best friend or a boyfriend or a girlfriend, suppose you have someone that you love dearly who's not in a relationship with Jesus, who's not living life to the full, who is experiencing hell on earth because they're separated from a loving relationship with God, who are not going to spend eternity with you in the kingdom of God because they've not surrendered to God like you have. Suppose you have someone like that in your life. What are you going to do about it? I would imagine that we would have the same sense of urgency that Jesus has, that we would do all in our power to reach out to the one person that we love or the people that we love who are far from God and do everything that we can so that they can start living life to the full by entering a relationship with Jesus, a loving personal relationship with Jesus, that we wouldn't want them to experience hell on earth. We certainly don't want them to experience hell in all of eternity. And so we would have that sense of urgency that Jesus has for people who are not in a loving relationship with him. And again, Jesus calls us to reach out, but not just to the people who we love and care about, but whoever we come across in our lives who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. Jesus says elsewhere, love your neighbor as yourself. Who's my neighbor? Anyone I have a contact with that I, that I, I, I have influence on, that I have a relationship with. And we, I think that the closest for us would be our neighbors, our people at work, the people that we go to school with. That's exactly why we rebuild our church. We're going to be in the middle of this Apex South Park development, and there are going to be thousands of people who are going to be coming onto that campus. And our goal is to establish relationships with them because we want to care about them. We want to care for them. We want to be good friends. We want to be good neighbors, and we want to introduce people to Christ. And we held back nothing. We knocked down our campus. We, we changed all kinds of things. We went through seven years of ups and downs because we believe that Jesus calls us to be in relationships with people and to show them who Christ is through our words and through our actions. And I know some of us, it's hard for us to, to evangelize, to represent Christ. But we do that through our words. We do that through our actions. Right now, we're doing all of this online ministry. And maybe an easy way to do that is simply to invite people to watch worship or to watch a fireside chat, or to watch one of our uh, small group ministries to be a part of that, or our children's and student ministry opportunities, just simply invite them. I think Kevin does a great job of giving us a little button that we just got to click. It says, invite somebody to church. And so maybe that's where God's calling you to start right now, an easy way to invite people to check out who Jesus is. But I think what's clear here is that God has a heart, a sense of urgency for people who are not in a relationship with God, and that we should too, and that we should invest our time and our energy and do all that we can to lead people to Christ. And I think that's very clear in this parable, this sense of urgency that Jesus has for people who are far from God. And I mentioned last week that the parables test our heart, and I think they continue to test our heart. This is a test of our heart, specifically how we feel about other people. How Do we have a heart for people who are not in relationship with God? Do we have a heart for people who are far from God, who are living in hell right now on the earth, who don't encounter life to the full? This is a test of our heart, brothers and sisters. How are we going to respond to that? How are we going to do that? And I, I have full confidence in you and what God's calling you to do and who you're, who you're being called to reach. Now I'd like to ask you to look at the parable of the sheep in a different way. And it's not in the way that it was originally intended. So I realize that that's kind of taking a step away from what biblical scholars usually do. 
but I hope that it is of God's heart in the way that I'm asking you to look at this. Imagine that the one sheep, separate from the 99, is a marginalized person or people in our society. Not that they are far from God, but they've been pushed away from the main group. Some could see this as women who are trying to make it in the workplace, and they've hit a glass ceiling. Maybe some would say it's uh, people who are discriminated against because of their age. Either they're too young or they're too old to be included and, and, and able to do something. And clearly, people who have skin color that's not white are saying to us very clearly right now that they feel not only marginalized, not only left out, but shoved out and shoved out violently over the course of the entire history of our nation as Americans. And that's where I think God's calling us to focus. At least I believe that, and I hope that you will as well, because what we're seeing in America right now, what we've seen over all the history of our, our country, is racism and injustice. And racism and injustice are evil, and they are against God, and they are against Christianity. And we should be upset about racism and injustice. We should be angry. We should be sad. We should be frustrated about all that's happening in the life of our nation right now and in all the days that led up to it. The murder of Ahmaud Arbery, the murder of George Floyd are deplorable. That they are the latest in a long string of murders because, uh, because of their skin color is horrendous. It's, it's disgusting. And again, we are upset. We are sad. We are frustrated. We are angry about that. Because it's just wrong, and it's not what Jesus wants. It's not what God wants for us. We need to be very clear in saying that black lives matter. Black lives matter to Jesus. Black lives matter at South Park Church. Black lives matter to me as the senior pastor of this church. And, and I know that black lives matter to you. And so thank you for being here and listening to me and, and giving this message out to all the people that are in, in your groups, because it's time for white Christians to do this. It's beyond time. And I realize that we are a predominantly white church, and I'm grateful for our white members. I'm grateful for our members of color and from other nations and nationalities. And I just, I think it's time for us as a congregation to continue to wrestle with this. Because I think it's something that Jesus really is putting out there right now for us to, to consider. And I know that we want to be quick and, and, and rush in and, and figure out what we can do about it. Because we see that people are hurting. I, I talked about the pain uh, and fear that I had just for one second when my, my kids disappeared into that clothes rack. And I'm hearing from my black brothers and sisters that when their children go out or their parents go outside of the house just to do everyday activities like go for a jog or, or drive to work, that they're scared that they might not come back because they could be shot or, or, or beaten up or put in prison because of their skin color. And I don't understand that. I want to do something about that. And I'm glad that you want to do something about that. And, and, and here's where I think we can start with that. I think it'd be great for us as, as a church to listen to people of color and to listen to their experiences, to, to listen to what they would have us to learn. And so I'm excited to say that the staff and I you know, sat down and we prayed about what the topics could be for upcoming Fireside Chats. And that this week's Fireside Chats Pastor Lindsay and I will be joined by three of our African-American, our, our black brothers and sisters who are clergy serving here in Charlotte. And I've invited them to say to us what they think that, that we need to hear, ways that we might be able to help, but especially just to tell us their stories and that we might listen. Because I think it, it's something that's important for us as Christians to do is to listen to others and to seek to understand 
and to learn. So I really hope that you'll be able to tune into our Fireside Chats this week. Um, I was watching the news this week, and um, I saw the story about Curtis Hayes Jr. And this is a, a young black man in his 30s here in Charlotte, and he was in a viral video that went all over the Internet. Uh, he was been on national talk shows. And what happened was he, he got into a, a heated discussion with a 16-year-old black young man and a black man in his 40s, I don't know, 277, big crowd there. It was just this passionate discussion about everything that's going on. And so if you haven't yet had a chance to watch that or read about that, we're going to put a link here right now that you can, you can click on or, or you can Google that. Curtis Hayes Jr., uh, man in the middle, Charlotte, North Carolina, and watch his story, listen to his story, read his story. I, I saw him on Good Morning America this week, and Robert, uh, Robin Roberts interviewed him. And at the end of the interview, she said, here you are on national television, you have a platform what would you like to say to all people, to white people, to black people? And he said two things. He said, the first thing is, with whoever your group is, your inner circle, is that you, you check your group. And what he meant by that was you hold your group accountable. That if there's anything racist or unjust or that we are promoting racism in either overt or covert ways uh, or we have blind spots, that we hold each other accountable. Right? Check your group. And he said that includes leaders in the, in the community, political leaders, religious leaders, elected leaders, right? Check your group. If there's anything unjust, anything racist going on, right? Hold each other accountable. And the second thing is, he said, try to understand each other, right? Black people, white people, people who are different skin colors, but same on the inside. He said, seek to understand each other. And what that means underlying is that we're in relationships with people. That, that we're in relationships, we're trying to understand one another. And then he summarized, he said, you know, it's not the black race and the white race or, or whatever other, many other races that there are. He said, it's the human race. And so that's what I heard from him. And I hope that you hear that from me. That's a couple of things uh, that one of our black brothers, hopefully in Christ, don't know his religious background, but I got to believe it. The way that he was talking, it, he, he's a follower of Christ. This is something that we can learn. And so what? So what's the point today? What's the big idea? What's the takeaway? We've talked a lot about parables and sheep and lost coins and racial tension and injustice and oppression in America right now. What's the takeaway? This is what I think it is. Jesus' urgency makes people our priority. Jesus' urgency makes people our priority. Jesus cares about people. Jesus wants people to find salvation. Jesus wants there to be justice done on the earth as it is in heaven, right? Jesus's urgency makes people our priority. And I think in application that, that we can apply this in our everyday lives, if we think about how does, how does that look like in my everyday life, is that we engage in meaningful relationships with people, to engage in meaningful relationships with people. That's what Jesus did. He hung out with people. He established relationships. He, he had meaningful relationships, and he got in trouble for it. He got in trouble for it with the religious leaders. They didn't like him hanging out with the people on the wrong side of the, of the, of the town, the wrong side of the track, right? Jesus cultivated meaningful relationships, right? We, because of Jesus's urgency, our priority, right, is people, right? Jesus's urgency makes people our priority. Engage people 
and meaningful relationships. Hey, think about Jesus' urgency. I, I, I don't know how much more urgent he could, he could demonstrate himself than leaving heaven to come to the earth to become a human being while still remaining God, to die on a cross and to come back to life so that you and I can live life to the full. So that we can get rid of our guilt and our shame and our wrongdoing and surrender that to Jesus and receive joy and peace and life to the full now and live forever in the kingdom of God. That we can seek after justice, that we can live in, in harmony with our brothers and sisters who look different than we are, but on the inside who are the same. Right? Jesus, his sense of urgency was he surrendered his life. Right? He lost his life so that we could find ours. Jesus lost his life so we could find ours. And that's what we celebrate today with Holy Communion. And so if you have got a piece of bread, you got a, a cracker or, or a snack, you want to grab that, grab a glass of juice, glass of water, whatever you have, we're going to celebrate the sacrament of Jesus as we remember that he died on a cross for us, that his body was broken, that his blood was shed for us. And, and what communion means for us is, is that in the breaking of Jesus' body, in the shedding of his blood, right, we're unified, right? We are all united in the body and blood of Jesus. We are unified in the body and blood of Jesus. And so today we remember the sacrifice that Christ made, that he was with his disciples for the last time, and he, he shared a meal with them. And he took a piece of bread, and a loaf of bread, he broke it, and he blessed it, and he gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat, this is my body which is given for you, as often as you do this for me. Then he took a cup of wine and he gave it to his disciples and said, Take and drink this. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many so that your sins may be forgiven. As often as you do this, remember me. What Holy Communion simply means is that God loves us so much that he gave his life for us. He lost his life so we could find our life. Right? And Jesus' sense of urgency is for all people. Right? Jesus loves us all and he wants us all at his table. Right, The body and blood of Christ, we, we are all equal in front of God. And so today, if we feel lost, if we feel that we don't know Jesus, that we don't have uh, an experience of salvation, that, that we've not surrendered to Christ, that, that we don't have a loving personal relationship with Jesus, today is the day through, through this opportunity of communion that we can surrender and say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want, I want to live life to the full. Please forgive me and, and welcome me into your kingdom. For those of us who are walking with Jesus, we celebrate that and we ask Jesus to give us power to go out in the world and to seek to help people find that relationship with Jesus. We also, as Christians, see that the world is broken. And there's a lot of injustice and racism. And, and when we receive communion today, we ask God to give us wisdom and strength and power to go out into the world and, and to fight against it. And to, and to listen to our brothers and sisters and to cultivate those meaningful relationships and that we, we're tapping into the power and, and love of the Holy Spirit. Right? So there's so much that this sacrament of Holy Communion means for us. So will you pray with me right now about that? Dear God, we thank you that you are the great equalizer. God, that in you, we are all equal, that your body was broken for all of us, that your blood was shed for all of us. And so today, God, we ask that you would take all of our, our snacks, our meals, our bread, our cookies, our whatever it is that we're going we're gonna to eat, Lord, that it would become symbolically the body of Christ broken for us, that, that you would take our, our drinks today, God, and that you would make them become for us symbolically the blood of Christ shed for us, Lord, and that in this we are unified as brothers and sisters, whatever our skin color, whatever our age, whatever our income, Lord, whatever our gender, God, that we are all your children. And so, God, we ask for 
for your, your power. We ask for your wisdom. We ask for healing in our world to end racism, to end injustice, God. Make us be a part of the solution rather than being part of the problem. Help us to listen to one another, God. Help us to cultivate relationships. Lord, you have a sense of urgency for people. And your sense of urgency makes people our priority when it comes to salvation and when it comes to justice. And so, God, we ask that you would pour out your salvation and pour out your justice on all of us right here and right now. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. You don't have to be a a member of our church. You don't have to be a baptized Christian to receive this, this sacrament, this outward visible sign of this beautiful inward grace, something given to us by God that we haven't earned that God gives it to us anyway. It's just, we're all open. What it means today is when we receive this sacrament is we're saying, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to love people. I want to work for justice in the world. I want to help people find your saving power in their lives. And so if you'll take whatever you have to eat and know that this is symbolically the body of Jesus broken for us. And if you'll take whatever you have to drink and know that this is symbolically the blood of Jesus shed for us. Thank you so much for worshiping with us. I hope you'll come back Monday through Friday to see our fireside chats. They air at 1.09 p.m. And then if you miss that, you can catch them on reruns uh, on any of our stations. And we are in for some inspirational speaking. So I really hope you can join us. Have a wonderful week in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go in peace. Amen.